Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jeff and Pastor Jay talking about the sermon from June 13th, 2021. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Pastor Jay, and joining me today is Pastor Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jay. Hello, everyone. They didn't respond. I heard him. Yeah. So, uh, Jeff, you preached this weekend. I did. It was wonderful to get to be with everyone. Beautiful you're always Sunday. With every, you're always with everybody. I know, but it's a different, it's a different with. Yes. It's funny. I mean, my ministry on a Sunday where I'm not preaching is super personal, interrelational, like it's conversational with individuals. And it's, you know, typically in the back of the church, not in the front of the church. So it's mm-hmm. a different feel for me when I'm up front. I get to see faces in a different way. Especially now, I'm I, I'm seeing faces, some faces for the first time since I started here as pastor, because some people have been masked the right. entire time yeah. that I've been a pastor here. So that that was really fun. Or not here. Too. Yeah, they or just weren't here. around. Yeah. And so there's people joining us on Sunday, I think, because of being outside too, who who couldn't until now, and I'm getting to see them, which is just awesome. So great. So I, I wasn't here this weekend. So uh, I was down covering for Max, our former intern, now pastor, and um, filling the pulpit for him while they were um, coming home from the hospital with the baby. So that was very exciting to be down there with them. Um, but that means that I had to listen uh, listen to you after the fact. So, on recording. On a recording. And, and so here's what, I, here's what I learned. You ready for this? Um, I listened to you at time and a half speed. And I felt like that was about right. <laughs> then I listened to you double speed, double time, and I thought, ah, you know. And it's funny because I have um, I got some feedback a couple weeks ago that I talk too fast, which is true. So it just and you are very intentional and deliberate with your words, and so it's funny that for me, I'm like, I, I'm double timing everything in my in my brain, and um, and so I just thought that was interesting. Have you ever listened to yourself at double time? I haven't. I should try that. I, I, You should know that my default when I'm teaching especially is that I have all these thoughts I want to get out. And if I'm not really careful, they will come out way too fast and totally uh-huh. unintelligible. Like you can't understand me. So basically so, like me, you just described my pre- preaching style. <laughs> just... No, I, I don't know not. what he's saying, but he sure does have a lot of energy. So I, I when I'm preaching, important. I am actually like intentionally trying to slow down and trying to also allow for moments where there's silence because I find at least for myself when I'm listening, like when I'm listening to you, Jay, it's like, oh man, that's a point that I need a second now. And it's like, you're just thinking and letting it, letting it settle. And then I move forward. So I appreciate that you recognize that. I'm going to try to try that later today and just listen. Here, let's just try it together. Oh boy. And you think that sounds... <laughs> no, that's, that's double time. I felt like that was a little... But here's time and a half. And those other people started praying out loud as well. Not to Jesus, but to another so-called God. In that moment, there was no need for conflict. So that's time and a half. Sounds a little mousy. Well, yeah. Other a little than chipmunk. Pitch, a little chipmunky. <laughs> I mean, if we compared that to, uh, um, to, one, of, to one of mine, that would be... Uh, it would definitely, it would sound very, very different, right? Yes. I mean, that's just like, uh, let's just. 
Crusades is a very common example of that. Oh, we, we need to talk about Sounds the Crusades right now. Informing the right laws and protecting certain rights oh, that's and denying my... others, thinking that his kingdom is of this world, and so we think that we are serving him by fighting oh, for him. Maybe uh, I think what we noticed is my chipmunk voice is a little lower <laughs> than your chipmunk voice. I wonder what that, why that is. I don't know. Mine was uh, double time. All right. Well, this is uh, this is pointless right now. This Everyone is... is like, I'm ready for my day now. I'm encouraged. Right. Time to move forward. <laughs> That's so helpful. Well, I did hear. I, I thought I thought it was a great sermon. So you, it was Psalm 138, a joyful resistance, which I think was a great title, by the way. So Thank you. Why? What, you're welcome. Did you come up with that before? I came up with it um, that morning. I had the theme as soon as I read Psalm 138. It struck me how David is just, he's resisting. He's resisting opposition to mm-hmm. his God, but he's doing it not in a curmudgeonly, grouchy way, but he's joyfully praising God. So, yeah, I didn't have the those three words, for, you know, strung together until that morning, but that theme struck me immediately. So how would you... Well, how would you describe that? Like if someone said, well, what do you mean when you say joyful resistance? And obviously I understand that the, the sermon was about that, but if you had mm-hmm. to summarize it, what what would you summarize your meaning behind a joyful resistance? That when it comes to, well, for one, it's a given that as followers of Jesus right now in this place and in this age, it's a given and an assumption that we will be worshiping and following him among those who do not. So that's the first part of it is just to not be alarmed and not be afraid that that's happening around you. And the second part that I think makes it more joyful, because you could, you could know that first part and then just immediately hunker down, right? You, you just, you put the literal armor on and you're just this hard person who's just attacking those who don't agree with you or constantly feeling like you're under attack by them. So that's the first part. But the second part that I think makes it joyful is recognizing it's not my job to bring the kingdom. It's his job. God is the one doing this. God is the one who's made these promises to us, his people, and he's the one who cares for us. So that means then I don't have that burden upon myself. I can be light. I can be joyful. I can rejoice that he is bringing it to pass. And I think that's what makes it uniquely Christian or uniquely unique for an apprentice of Jesus is that he's the one actually accomplishing it and doing it. If, if we do anything at all, it's joining him on what he's already doing in the world. So the person who you know you would see as this person is the biggest opposition to Jesus in my life. It's not your role to change that person. Your role is to be faithful to Christ and to enjoy him. And it's Jesus who has the, the priority, the prerogative to work on that person. He knows them. So to me, that's the, it's a big shift. It's a, from a self-defensiveness to a confident joy that God is in control, that he's really Lord. Yeah, so you're hitting you're hitting on a couple of things there. I think one is the first thing you said. I think is so critical and something that we are often caught off guard by. But we we're often surprised that we live in a world where a lot of people don't worship Jesus, and that seems to really. Um, I was going to say it seems to bother us. I understand why it bothers us. Like we want everybody. I want everybody to know and worship Jesus. Um, but not because of how it impacts my life or because of the morality it brings, but because I want them to know that there's a God who created them and loved them and that they can be in relationship with them and be reconciled back to him and experience that kind of joy. But I also am very acutely aware that Scripture is clear that we 
that that's not the norm, that we are going to always be, God's people will always be surrounded by people who do not, um, do not worship him. And how we respond to that, I mean, so much of that is helped by just not being surprised. Yes. Which is what you see it in scripture all the time. Do not be surprised at the fiery trials when they come upon you. And Jesus telling them, like, what do you think they're going to do? If they hated me, they hate you. He's like preparing them with these expectations of this is what it's going to be like. Why do you think it's so hard for us? Even though scripture is so clear and so often gives the warning, the entire Old Testament is God's people being, you know, oppressed from and and um, others not worshiping God and them not even following God. Why do you think we continue to function as, as though we're surprised every time the world does not function as though they're following Jesus? That's a great question. I mean, my initial gut response is that we're really forgetful. Like we just yeah. forget the truth. I mean, Jesus too, he, pro- he actually, it's a promise in this world, you will have trouble. Like he made it so clear to his followers that that was coming. And I think the reason he made it clear Sometimes when something's, something's written in scripture, it's helpful to think to yourself, why would he have to say that? Well, I think for the same reason that we need to be reminded, they needed to be reminded that when he was resurrected and not with them anymore, when they would face opposition, it didn't mean he wasn't reigning. It didn't mean that now he doesn't have all authority in heaven and on earth. It just, that's just the way it is right now. And there are, there are, there are parables and Jesus teaching on the kingdom explain why that is. Um, that's probably a whole nother sermon, but I think we just are forgetful. I, I think for me, functioning for like 15 years on university campuses where what I believed about Jesus was such a minority view, I had to develop that right. ability. And so I think part of it is years and years and years of being tolerated at best in the environment that I, that I ministered in that just became second nature to me. And it, it's a, it was a big release to not feel like it's my job to fix all of this. It's not. Our job is to worship Jesus, to obey him and follow him. And he is doing a work. And you're right. We do grieve. We want everyone to know who he is, but it's not because they're annoying if they don't. Right. That's so different. It's like, right. if you, if you would just believe, then you wouldn't bother me anymore. Right. That is not at all the heart of Christ. Unfortunately, it can be our heart and it has been my heart. But he's he thinks so differently about people that aren't following him. He does, and and you know, so often we we kind of reduce this down to some kind of morality, and we think that God's will is that we get everybody to obey the law, and it's just not like our this whole idea. We so in that resistance to evil. Um, so anybody, I think anybody in the world, regardless of your worldview, if you believe there is evil then you would agree with the statement that we need to resist evil. But Christianity has this uniqueness to it in, in how that is to be done and, and in what way do we overcome evil, like we overcome it with good. Um, we joyfully we joyfully resist. And I think um, and what we need to understand is that, that that frame of reference or that kind of that lens to shift and to say, I resist evil in my heart, that I, it's that the true worshipers of God would truly worship him in spirit and in truth in the midst of any circumstance. That's, that's God's method to overcome the world, is the, the faithfulness of his children, the, that we would worship him 
And so when it talks about resisting evil, when we talk about resisting evil, David's doing this. It's in his own heart. He's resisting that. Yes, there are external enemies, but um, we know that, you know, that our enemies, like we are, we are our own, like our sinful flesh is our greatest enemy, you know, with the enemy, the enemy who feeds off of that and preys on that. And, and our, like just shifting our mindset to say that the way I resist evil is not to make sure that my neighbor doesn't commit any, any evil. It's that I don't give into evil. Yes. And that is just such, every time I, I, I feel like I'm constantly having conversations where, where that seems to be a catch where they, they're like, well, if God's word says this, wouldn't we then want to make sure that everybody does that? And I'm thinking, how? Like, I don't obey God's word in my own strength. How in the world would I think my non-believing neighbor would? And where do I get the idea in scripture that that's, that's the goal, that that's the mission? It's not. The mission is that people would be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And, and the Bible talks about the way that people know that is by how we love one another, by the transformation inside out. It's far greater testimony when the world around you is, is, is giving themselves over to evil and you are able to resist evil joyfully because what you are resisting it with is better than the evil that the world is pursuing. Like, I think that's where some of the joyful side comes from it is you're just saying like, this is better. Like it's better to abide with Jesus and to obey him than it is to go and pursue this thing that the world says is, is better. Exactly. It's this, it's this sense that I'm not missing out on anything, but gaining everything by following Christ. Like by resisting, I'm not missing out on anything. I'm gaining the whole world when I follow Christ. Everything right. I could possibly need down to the deepest level of my heart, I find in him and him alone. And that's easy to say. It's a lot easier to say than it is to feel and to live. That is very true. And that's why we need the spirit, like you just said. So to think that someone who doesn't have the spirit of God dwelling in them could possibly do that, right? it's just a burden that no one could ever meet. And on the flip side of that, until you meet someone then who actually seems more loving than any follower of Jesus you've met, then it's like, okay, so does this person, are, how do you explain that? Right. Because we're not saying that just because you don't follow Jesus, you can't, you don't reflect God's image. You do. No. Every no. human being does. So the point isn't this external behavior. It's not the righteousness of the Pharisees. It's a heart that has been transformed and molded. And then that's what makes us joyfully confident in him. Yeah, and that's a whole other side topic with that. But yeah, it's important to remember that you know I've I've definitely I've known people and I've experienced it. I've experienced that sometimes the most loving people in my life have been not have not been Christ followers, mm-hmm. and um, and I think a lot of people have experienced that. And you try to figure out like, well, what you know, what does that mean? And um, but it is because we're all made in the image of God, and so because we're all made in the image of God, we have parts of ourselves that reflect. God's image, and then sin is just a perversion of that image. Sin isn't like some other separate thing that is created. It's a perversion of the good thing. And so the way that we're differently wired, we all pervert it in different ways. And so any human being, with or without the Holy Spirit, will have sides that reflect God's image. So maybe, you know, some people are just naturally patient. They're just, they're just very, they're very patient. And, and so whether they have Christ or not, they are going to be patient because that's how they're wired. And that does reflect 
the image of God, but then there's a perverted side of that. So maybe, maybe that patience actually becomes passivity or it becomes, um, a lack of courage or it becomes, you know, the, it takes different forms or the person who's passionate and, you know, they're passionate about all these different things or they're passionate about a cause and they, they're able to go out there and, and motivate people. But then that also it's perverted. It becomes, you know, anger. And so what's, what's unique about the Christ transformed believer is that both, um, like all things are redeemed in us. And, and so the sanctification process is that we stop perverting those things. We stop perverting that passion he gave us or that patience he gave us or that kindness, you know, the, the, um, calm nature he gave us or the, um, whatever the case is. And so I think, um, so yeah, that frees us to be able to say, yeah, we can recognize the image of God in other people. Like when we see kindness in the world, whether it's by a Christian or not, we can say we can we can still worship God for that. Yes. Every bit as much as we worship God when someone comes out of a surgery and they're and and everything went great in the surgery, we can we can thank the doctor and we can worship God. Because whether that doctor acknowledges God or not doesn't change the fact that God is still sovereign over all of these things. And that he used that doctor in that right. moment. Yeah, and it's interesting And he to wired me. that doctor in a way that allowed that doctor to study and yes. to think and to see those things and to have that personality. And that kind of um, attention to detail, for example, you talk about like a surgeon, that kind of focus and attention to detail reflects the image of God. When you think about God's attention to detail and his mm-hmm. creation, and so that's a beautiful thing, even though he does not give honor. And the, and the sin ultimately is that if he doesn't follow Christ, he does not give honor to the one who gave him that. He sees, maybe sees himself as his own God. And therein lies the sin that, that we want people to be rescued from. But we as Christians should never be in that situation. We should always be worshiping God in every moment because we know that everything comes from him. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you triggered a thought a couple minutes ago. You were talking about how, you know, sometimes our perceived enemy is outside of us, but actually it's a heart issue, like right. the idols of the heart. And I was really struck by that as I was thinking about David worshiping when he said among the gods and, you know, you, I turned over to Psalm 135 in the sermon, just a couple of Psalms earlier, and he just talks about these idols are fashioned by human hands. They have eyes and they can't see and mouths they can't speak, ears they can't hear. So the only power they have then is power given to them by people as people devote themselves to these idols. And it's the same for these idols of our heart. They are compelling. They tug on us. They distract us. They can control us. But it's because we give ourselves over to them. They don't actually have power like God does outside of our, our acknowledgement of them and our submission to them. Whether we're with God, the true and living God, whether or not we acknowledge him or not, he is all powerful, right? Whether or not we acknowledge his authority, he has all authority. But these idols aren't the same. They're, they're manufactured by our hearts. And that's really the threat, I think, right. for a follower of Jesus. It it's is. really not outside of ourselves. No. It's our own hearts and where we're, what we cling to, what we grasp, what we think will bring us life because they promise those idols promise us life. That's why we right. devote ourselves to them. It's a constant letdown though. Yeah. I'm reminded. I, I think, I think one of the keys of living this Christian life and that you, I, th- I think you communicated really well on Sunday is just the simple idea that God's calling on my life is to be faithful to him in every moment, to worship him 
to treasure him as the most valuable thing in every given moment, whether it's when I'm disciplining my child or I'm going to the grocery store or I'm going to work or I'm waking up in the morning, do all things to the glory of God. And we, at least for me, my whole life, I have struggled with buying into that, that when I kind of play my part in that, if every Christian in every moment is worshiping Jesus, like that illustration you used um, in, on that multi-faith chapel, which I thought was a great illustration of what does it look like to not be distracted by those other things that are going on, to not see them as inhibiting you from worshiping Jesus, but to continue to worship Jesus in the midst of all of those circumstances. That's the thing. And we so often want to change the circumstances because we think that's the thing when we don't realize like, no, it's, it's in those moments that God is saying, be faithful. That's what's actually demonstrating the worthiness of Jesus, not the changing the circumstances, but the joyful resistance of evil and the worshiping of him in the midst of those. Hmm. And I'm thinking of Paul in Philippians, which I just love how he goes on. He talks about rejoicing always. He says, again, I say rejoice. And then he goes on in, in that famous passage where he talks about, you know, where the famous verse that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me that the whole preceding, what that's about is he's content in all circumstances. And so what he's saying is what I have found is I can worship Jesus in any situation. I can, I can be tortured and I share in the sufferings of Christ. You can, they can kill me and I'll be with Christ. They can let me live and I can serve Christ. You can, you can make me rich and I'm content in Christ. You can make me poor, take away all my money and I'm content in Christ. Um, you know, sick or healthy, all these different things. And I've always seen that as just such this great example of what does it look like to, to do this, to joyfully resist evil. He's, he's resisting the temptation to be knocked about by his circumstances and believing that Christ is better. And because he believes Christ is better, because he believes that in Christ he can do all of those things, he can be in any of those circumstances, he's basically saying, God, put me anywhere. You put me anywhere and I will worship you. And what's so incredible about that is he does it joyfully because it really is better. And it would be, it'd be like if, you know, when you, when you want to help somebody or you want to serve somebody and you say, hey, use me wherever you want, put me in whatever. Put me in the hardest situation. Put me in like whatever. What do you need the most? And I think a lot of us have that experience where there's been someone that we've wanted to serve in that way where we're basically saying, hey, you give me, give me the thing that's causing you the most stress. Now, obviously with God, nothing's causing him stress. And so we don't serve him in that same way. But the heart of saying like, God, put me anywhere. I will shine. I will shine. I will worship you in any circumstance, in any situation. Use me. And, and when we want to be used to the greatest impact, it's going to be shining in the hardest circumstances. It's not going to be in doing big things like writing a bunch of books or speaking to a lot of people or, um, you know, our kids behaving perfectly or any of those things. It's going to be found in worshiping him in the midst of hard circumstances. And again, most of our time is spent trying to figure out how do we change our circumstances so they're not hard, which is kind of counterintuitive. How much energy would we get back if we could right. stop that? Right. Oh my. It's interesting, like knowing that we can count that on his promise that he's with us and that every circumstance that we are in today is for our good and for our healing 
and for our growth. Like, goodness, that changes how they feel. Um, I think it's Paul Tripp in his book on how people change. He talks about life circumstances as heat and heat like the sun's heat produces in a field either Mm. weeds or fruitfulness Mm -hmm. so grass or whatever you're trying to grow but that's what heat does it's just going to do that and so for us each circumstance today will produce one of those two things fruitfulness or weeds and thorniness and to for me for my own heart the big shift is just recognizing that those circumstances are not accidental right they're coming from a loving god who's with me and who is sovereign over them that's how I can shift from a thorny response an impatient, angry response to a, okay, I don't like this necessarily, but I, I'll be okay. Cause yeah. ultimately I'm okay in him, not because of this life or the circumstance that I'm in. Right. And I've, I've used this as an example a couple of times, but it's the, it's the clearest f- place in my life where I see this. I feel like I'm just experiencing a sliver of it. But when I go to a restaurant or a store of any kind, I've gotten to a place where I've seen God do so many incredible things by me worshiping him in the midst of really bad customer service that I, that I actually find myself anticipating and hoping for bad customer service. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had another opportunity. It happens all the time. And, um, but then I have times where I fail. So like on Sunday, I actually had it where I was, I gave in to grumbling and complaining about bad service. And it's amazing how much worse that is. It was so much better to, um, to anticipate. And it's, it's this understanding of it's in the midst of really bad customer service. And I'm talking about like colossally bad, so bad that the person who's giving it realizes how terrible it is. And is so apologetic, you know, any situation like that where the gospel has had a chance, you know, to the shine the brightest. And, and so if you can do that, if you can walk into any situation saying, okay, God, if, if things go completely crazy here and everything goes wrong, I'm seeing that as this is where my worship of you is going to stand out all the more. Like if you go, I mean, just think about what's more shocking. I've, I've experienced both of these things, walking into a church service where people are singing, kind of like a normal singing, um, that's not very shocking. You walk in that and you're just like, well, I kind of expect it. A non-believer could walk into one of our church services and people would be singing and they'd say like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Versus in a hospital room where, where someone is going through a very tragic circumstance and you walk by and they're singing a hymn. One of those is far more striking than the other one of those stands out far more one of those is going to draw a lot more attention to what is this that they're singing who are they singing about how can they be singing these songs now um now we don't wish for those things we don't hope for those things but we can trust our father that that he's good and that um and that in the midst of those that's when our those lights shine the brightest which Sometimes that does mean we do put ourselves in situations. Like we're not afraid to put ourselves in those hard circumstances because we do know once you realize, holy cow, this is where this light shines the brightest. This is where it's like the biggest platform. And so you used an example that somebody had, um, one of your mentors had talked to you about, about how you walk into a room. Yes. Which I love. I love that picture. And, and I've heard similar things about that, that idea of when you walk into a room, when you walk into a store, um, but I just think 
like when you walk in there, like what, well, actually, why don't you, why don't you just re, you know, for anybody that didn't, that sure. missed it or whatever, but like what the, what it was. Yeah. So, uh, this pastor of mine, he said, there are basically two ways of walking into a room. One is you walk into a room to seek comfort. That's a summary of it, to seek blessings. So you, when you walk into rooms to seek those things from people, you look for your friends. You look for those you can belong to and where you feel safe. And in a lot of ways, there's nothing wrong with that. Friendship is a gift from God. So I'm not saying that that is wrong in and of itself. But the second way of walking into a room, which I think is a transformed way of walking into a room, is to walk in knowing that you are okay, knowing that you are loved by God and to walk in with a worshipful heart that seeks to find those who don't belong, who seeks to find those who don't have a group, who don't have a circle and bless those people. Right. So it's interesting. One is like kind of seeking a need to be loved. And one is to walk in knowing you're loved by God and seeking to love others. And for me, when I heard that it was really transformational because it made me realize well, a couple things. One, I really am okay in him. When I really think about that, I am. I'm okay. I'm loved by him. I don't need anything else. I have it in him. But the second one is just the small things in life, even like walking into a room. Those are opportunities to connect with Jesus yeah. and to serve him and love him, to worship him. And I do think, for me at least, it has changed how I walk into a room. I, I walk in with a totally different feeling about what could happen, especially thinking like if you show up at a house you know, it's a new friend or it's a house and it's their extended family that you don't know. You can imagine these circumstances, a wedding, you know, we've all had that yeah. moment. We're at, we're at a table with people we don't know. Well, if you walk in knowing that I can bless these people, right. I'm full of the spirit. It changes the dynamic so much. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's simply the idea of, do I walk into a room seeking to be blessed or seeking to be a blessing? Yes. And, and now you still can be blessed in that. I, when you walk into a room though, saying, God, use me, I, I, I want to go in and I know that you, you, like you think about the life of Jesus and who he sought out and, and how he functioned. Jesus would never go into a room and just sit back in a corner and be like, well, gee, I wonder if anybody's going to come talk to me. Yeah. He would <laughs> go and seek out. And, and by the way, this is not, this does not have anything to do with being introverted or extroverted. Thank at, you for saying that. At all. It does not. I mean, it's easy for me to say as the extrovert, but people don't realize I'm, I'm a hyper extrovert and I still walk into rooms where I don't know anybody and I feel awkward. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's not like the cure all for whatever it's, it is a heart issue. If I walk into a room seeking to be comforted or trying to find where I, where I can fit in, then whether you're extroverted or introverted, you're you're going to struggle um, sometimes, and it, and it's a very self centered way of walking into a room. Versus if I go in there trying to figure out who who needs to be welcomed, who needs to be comforted, um, and I've seen some. There are introverts that I know who are amazing at this. They're not their introverted nature is going to come out in the sense that they're not going to go and shake like fifty people's hands and have like twelve different conversations going on at once. Some of the best people at walking into a room like that I know are introverts because they walk in and they very quickly see someone and God gives them one person and they go and they talk to that person and connect with that person. And it's amazing. And, and Christ is glorified and they worship Christ in the midst of that. And, and so your personality doesn't 
like we, we like to attach all kinds of things to that, but this is a heart issue. It is. This is, am I, am I walking, do I believe, am I walking into this room believing that Jesus is enough, that he will give me everything that I need, and so I just want to be used for the kingdom, and I want to glorify him the most that I can? Um, or am I walking into the room feeling like I'm lacking something that that I feel like he needs to give me, or he owes me, or somebody owes me, or whatever? Um, because here's the other thing I find. When you walk into a room like that, it's never enough. Like if you're walking into a room looking to be accepted, you can't be accepted enough. It, it'll it'll wear off. Um, but when you do walk into a room looking f- to bless somebody else, you end up receiving blessing in that. Like that's you end up being. The irony is, of course, you end up being accepted and welcomed by the person that you just welcomed because that's kind of how hospitality works. But it is, and it's the good life. So it just right. it it feels good yeah. to be able to go in there and do that. Yeah, I I really appreciate that you said that about our wiring, our personalities, because we have to recognize our personalities are just one more part of the circumstances and the heat, for example, that I mentioned earlier, that God is sovereign over. He's not surprised by that. He knows that. And he will use you and me and our unique wiring in those circumstances to reach and love people with their unique wiring. It's not accidental. Right. It's just not. And yeah, one of us... You know, if you're really introverted, you'll leave that room afterwards, probably feeling a bit more depleted, run down a little bit more than the extrovert who might leave on a total high. Right. But the the need to then connect with Jesus and to go to him is the same. Right. It's all part of God's sovereign hand of love for us and for other people in our life. Yeah, which which then is part of that is realizing that God God is not the overbearing boss who's just going to pile tasks on top of tasks until you collapse. So you can trust him. Lauren and I used to have this thing back when we were church planting in Colorado that we just said, let's let God manage our time. So we'll say yes to whatever we feel like God is saying yes to, and we're not going to worry. We're going to let him create the space in our schedules. And then when he does create space in our schedules, we'll use that to rest. And it, you know, it lasted a little bit of time. You know, I wish that we continued to live that way because what we found was that God is actually a really kind manager. <laughs> like mm. he, he would always give us the space. Our problems tend to be that we feel burdened to do things that God is never asking us to do. We, we get in our head. So if the introvert walks into a room, if the introvert comes in with me and sees me like going around talking to 50 people and they look at that and say, oh, I guess that's what it means to be faithful. Well, then, yeah, that's going to be a burden that they're putting on themselves that they can't handle. But if they actually walk in and worship Jesus in the moment, then they'll find that, okay, if I'm really listening to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's probably only going to talk me, tell me to talk to that one person. And then, whereas for the extrovert, you walk out of that room, God may put in place of, you know, put in front of me multiple people, you know, afterwards. And that's fine because that's a gift to me. But to the introvert, God may pave the way out the door so that you can go and have all the te- time of regeneration that you need. I, It's just trusting that God is good and that if I'm faithful to God in every moment, he's not going to over, he's not going to overburden me at all. His, his yoke is easy. The burden is light. It's actually a very joyful thing to just serve him and to not to not give in to um, the demands of man, you know, or of the world that we have created or the things that we have said are like, well, this is good or this is not. It's trusting the Holy Spirit and listening to him 
and and following him and worshiping him in every moment. And I think we find when we do that that it is joyful and it is the burden is actually light. It's actually not a it's not a heavy burden at all. No, it's a it's a joyous thing because to me it's it's a lot harder to try to walk with Jesus halfway. It's like, you know, you're you're one foot halfway in the water instead right. of just jumping in. You really jump in is when I think you actually experience the life and the joy that Jesus promises us. When you go halfway, mm-hmm. yeah. it's just not the same. You go to a beach and just put half your body in yeah. on a hot day. It's not enjoyable in the same way as if you just went for it. And I think really part good. of what you're describing is just go. Go all in and trust that he can take care of you. Yeah, the halfway ends up being the the... That's when we end up putting extra burdens on that he never asked us to do. So that's, that's when you worry like, okay, well, if I, if I take this meal over to my neighbor, I'm not, I'm not like this other person who can just churn out meal after meal after meal. So if I do, then if you feel like, well, if I only take one meal and my neighbor and and this other person in the church takes a meal to somebody like every single day, then we think like, oh, well, if, if, if this thing's going to have value, then I have to do it like that. No, you don't. You've been called to be faithful in, in the thing that God has put in front of you. Um, same thing happens with, you know, a lot of times people who are in a really busy season of life and they look at other people who aren't and they think, well, you know, maybe someday I'll be able to serve God like that or maybe someday I'll be able to have, you know, get up and have quiet times like that or whatever. But that God's not doing that to you. I mean, I guess I would just say this. If you feel like, if you feel like joyfully resisting evil or serving him or glorifying him in all circumstances, if that feels like a burden, I would just suggest, is it possible that you are the one that's putting the burden on yourself? Is it possible that you're actually like you're filling in blanks, you're filling in gaps that God has not put there, you're putting expectations that God has not placed, and you're rather than listening to the Holy Spirit for fear that, well, God's going to make me do some big crazy thing. Well, he might, but if he does, he'll also give you the faith to be able to do it and the grace to be able to handle that in the moment. But he also, more often in my life, the things that he asks of me on a day-to-day basis are actually really small. They're small, faithful steps. They take faith um, to use this next 10 minutes well or to, to respond graciously to this person in this conversation or to go and and you know go and do this act of service for somebody who's acting rather or asking rather than feeling like oh am I going to be able to get to have time to do these other things? It's all these small things, um, and I and in the kingdom way, small things become big things. And you give I love the example, the being thankful in the midst of either poor service, or you know you could also turn that into traffic you weren't expecting or mm-hmm. a longer line. It's it is small, but it's a massive shift in our heart when we can worship and be thankful, even in those moments. For sure. It changes us, and it's going to change the way we interact with that person, you know, made in the image of God right before us. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, I hope, I hope this has been encouraging to you as uh, you consider what does it look like to follow Jesus in the small moments of life, to, to joyfully resist uh, evil in our, in our own hearts and to push back the, that darkness and knowing that when we do that together, that's why it's so important to be a part of a church family because any one of us um, does not make up the whole body, but together uh, we are the body of Christ. And, and so my hope and my prayer is that we, we can 
live each moment faithfully in faithful worship of our Jesus. So if you have any questions about this or anytime you have any questions about a sermon or anything else, please let us know. We would love to discuss that and um, continue to produce these podcasts as a way of just uh, just as, a, as an encouragement throughout the week and, and equipping as uh, we all seek to follow Jesus and worship him in spirit and in truth. So until next time, grace and peace to you. Mm-hmm.